0: My name is Marshall Abbott. I'm the CEO of Aero Exploration. We are an active and robust explorer and producer in the Llanos Basin in Colombia, and we are about to experience a step change in production and cash flow, and hopefully that translates into share price as well. Thank you for having
1: me, Matthew. Marshall, thank you very much for the introduction. Good to meet you. I think you're sitting in um, Calgary, and it's um, famously cold there at the moment. Um, what's the temperature outside?
0: It's only minus 42, and that's why 5 million people don't live um, here.
1: Amazing, absolutely amazing. And there you are in shirt sleeves, um, and presumably you're being powered by wind and solar at the moment because that's um, um, a, a key part of the grid. Well,
0: uh, sadly, um, natural gas is a primary contributor to our electric power grid, and, and it's
1: much more reliable. Yeah, no, it is. Sorry, it was a facetious comment of mine, Um I'm I'm a great fan of the right energy sources in the right places. Um but your um uh, Arrow Exploration is producing uh, oil in Colombia. Um you came on the company uh you came on the company came onto Crux 2 years ago and um explained uh, what you're about. You've had a huge amount of um uh, activity since then. It's probably worthwhile just kind of taking a step back and telling us where you were at the start of 2023 and kind of where you've ended up, just as a kind of a contest to orientate us.
0: Certainly, so uh, probably most importantly, we've drilled 11 for 11 wells in the Llanos Basin in Colombia. We have doubled production from the beginning of last year to now. And we feel we're on a glide path to double production again by the end of 2024. So we're in a very fertile part of the Llanos Basin in Colombia. And uh, there is amazing hydrocarbon density there that I've not seen in my 40-year career. So we're pretty excited with what we've got in front of
1: us. And um, you say you're 11 for 11, which translates or kind of means, uh, if I understand you right, you drilled 11 holes and hit 11, um, had 11 successes. Um, And you were able to, how many of those were you able to bring in production or tie into an existing kind of um, pipeline network?
0: Well, that's a great question. So uh, we are well-placed and well-positioned with respect to energy infrastructure in the Yanos Basin. So as soon as we drill our wells, it typically takes seven to ten days, uh, another week to get them on stream, and we're drilling down to 10,000 feet. Uh, We sell our oil at the wellhead immediately upon production. So we have various companies that are active in the oil marketing arena, and uh, we get paid as soon as the truck leaves our well site, so there's no transportation risk. So we're very quick to get wells on production, which is a bonus. And on top of that, our average royalty is hovers around 12%. So uh, the fiscal regime in Colombia is, is very generous.
1: If we kind of contrast, the, kind of the, when you this started 2023 and when you left, I mean, I can see that you were on about, kind of, a, your exit rate was around 3,200 barrels of oil per day. What did you kind of enter the year at? What was our production at the end of the year? No, no, the start of, you know, what was the difference between the end and the beginning? Oh, uh,
0: so beginning of the year in 2023, we were really relying on one well producing about 360 barrels a day.
1: Okay. So you effectively um, almost uh, increased tenfold in the course of 2023 up to 3- 3,200. Is that we kind of UX did that?
0: That's right. I think we were 3,280. And uh, we've got a drilling rig about to spud again. So. As I mentioned, these wells take 7 to 10 days to drill and another week to get on stream. So we're we're excited with our operational tempo.
1: You, you drilled 11 wells last year. How, how many are you looking to drill in 2024? Good question.
0: So uh, at a recent board meeting, we had a $45 million capital expansion uh, expenditure budget approved. Uh, that entails 15 wells. And uh, it's development and infill weighted, so very low risk. And we do have a couple of exciting exploration prospects that we'll pursue towards the end of the year. But uh, we're drilling, as I said, mainly infill and development wells that come on in a vertical sense in excess of 320 barrels a day. And we're going to be drilling horizontal wells that come on in excess of 1,000 barrels a day. So it's a very exciting time in the company. And uh, we're just looking to get the word out to ensure that we're doing our job on the marketing
1: aspect. In terms of the horizontal um, well drilling, um, am I right in thinking that you're putting in six horizontal wells out of the fifteen? I may have got that. Maybe that's an older number. But um, in September, in one of your presentations, you were talking about putting in six horizontal wells. Um, is is all of that technology in place and kind of are you, are you proven that that can happen kind of on schedule uh, in Colombia?
0: So uh, horizontal drilling has been a centerpiece in Colombia for about the last ten years. And the reservoir that we're going to be drilling horizontally into is very thick, upwards of 60 feet thick, and uh, the expertise certainly exists with the robust service industry in Colombia. And from my own personal perspective, I've had 20 plus years of horizontal drilling experience not only in Canada, but uh, in other jurisdictions as well, so... Uh, horizontal drilling is pretty straightforward the technology is fabulous and, and uh, uh, geosteering is a fun part of the game when you're trying to stay at the top of the reservoir and uh, uh, once you have drilled out approximately a mile horizontally turning that well on is very exciting in fact in our reservoir modeling we have very high permeability upwards of six darcy permeability 30 percent porosity and uh, relatively light oil we could theoretically produce at much higher rates, I won't quote a number, but uh, uh, we're budgeting a thousand barrels a day per horizontal, and we can do well in excess of that with submersible pumps. So that really gives us the optionality to increase
1: production when we want to. And the decline rates on these holds is um, um, uh, you know is it uh, dramatic or is it kind of relatively steady? Good. Very good question.
0: In the first year we would expect upwards of thirty percent decline. And the decline they're after is uh, harmonic in nature. So these are very reliable wells that will recover in excess of a million barrels per well. And they cost us about $3.5 million net to our share to drill, which is about 50% more than a, a vertical well, but we're enjoying three times the production.
1: Sorry, so run those numbers again. So what's the, it um, produces a million barrels of oil. Is, is that what you said?
0: That's the estimated ultimate recovery. Uh, as I mentioned, the reservoir characteristics are fabulous, and we've got a very strong natural water drive that takes our recovery upwards of 35%. And the discovery we made mid-year last year has added 40 million barrels of oil in place. We'll recover 35% of that number. So it's a very exciting discovery that we've made.
1: And that was the um, the CN discovery. Uh, and when, when you talk about kind 15 of 15- million barrels of, uh, or so, uh, of recoverable oil. Is that including kind of 1P, 2P, and 3P all kind of collated together?
0: Uh, there would be no 3P in that number, but 1P and 2P. Uh, the reserve additions that we enjoyed, and we did an interim update uh, after after we produced the CN two well, um, it's $143 million of 2P reserves at 10% discount. So that more than doubled the reserve base in the company.
1: Did you get a um, price response uh, in the in the share price to that?
0: We did. It was rather short lived. Uh, I would say though that in the downdraft that has hit the public oil sector, uh, we have not experienced an equivalent downdraft. So we've stayed well above the AIM Energy Index, well above any of the Canadian indices as well. So. Uh, I think there's pent-up demand for the th- share price, but it's show-me time. We feel, and uh, we're
1: about to show the market. Well, I, I, I will want to come back onto the kind of the psychology of the oil sector and what the markets are uh, are doing relative to valuation and how to close that gap. But let's just stick, if I could, for the moment with some of the kind of the field stuff and the and the in-country um, uh, aspects of it. Can you? I, I couldn't quite understand um, from my. Uh, limited research about the 50% working interest and, um, because some of that is contingent on assignment. Could you explain the the uh, commercial agreements you've got with EcoPetrol, please? So we
0: have uh, a partner, a Colombian-based partner called Petrolco, and they were responsible for, for getting this contract area over 10 years ago. And uh, the company made a significant investment in acquiring a 50% share of Patrol Co's block in the Tapir Basin, in the Yano Basin Tapir block specifically in Colombia.
1: Sorry, Arrow and made the investment.
0: Yes, and so we are the operator, and uh, we consult with Petrolco on a daily basis. They're very good partners. They're well financed by a high net worth individual in Colombia. Uh, we've got an excellent working relationship with them. And we've made them quite a bit of money, actually. So uh, they're happy guys.
1: And so when it talks about a um, kind of contingent on that um, that profit share or the economic split, there's no real contingency on it. It's kind of an ongoing working relationship.
0: It is an ongoing relationship, and uh, there's quite a bit of term left on this block. And uh, it's our goal to extract the resources efficiently and cleanly as possible, uh, acting as operator the whole time so it's a it's a really good working relationship with patrol and uh, as i mentioned in the last year i believe uh net operating income was close to 40 million and free cash flow was close to 12 million for them so uh yeah they're happy guys
1: and when you talk about the npv of a well is that on a hundred percent basis of the well which for um Investors and analysts, to understand the economics, they have to split that 50-50 with um, what Arrow's portion and what eco um, Petrolco's portion.
0: Uh, we make it a habit to uh, broadcast net volumes, net cash flow, net working interest. So
1: typically in the sphere block, it's always 50%. But w- when you mentioned the, the CN Discovery adding $143 million NPV um, value, was that... Uh, arrow share or the um that was that to arrow net to arrow thank you that um helps me get my head around some of the numbers so is yanos the kind of the, the the main thrust is that where your um all the 15 wells are going and uh the exploration dollars are being spent i mean because i know you've got another basin in Colombia.
0: the yanos is where we're going to be spending 100 percent of our effort this year for sure uh as i mentioned it's very fertile basin. It is the the heart of the Colombian oil industry. Colombia is 900,000 barrels a day and 650,000 barrels a day comes out of the annals. And we're in a particular part of the basin where as I mentioned there's very high density, very high hydrocarbon density. So we're in kind of the sweet spot in the middle of the basin. And uh, other operating companies in and around us have taken notice of that. Uh, so it was a highly sought after block that we are fortunate enough to be able to execute on.
1: And last year you did a kind of pretty comprehensive 3D or large 3D seismic um, uh, survey. Has that changed the way that you've um, done your targeting? Has it improved your um, success rate? I mean, 11 from 11 is maybe you didn't need to do the the 3D seismic after all.
0: So the 3D has been absolutely integral to our drilling plants. It was 130 square kilometer 3D that, to us, is about $3 million. It is easily paid dividends. Uh, 3D seismic is absolutely essential in the Yanos Basin. You can't rely on 2D data. Uh, you'll miss the top of the structure. When you've got 3D and the play type that we pursue is a high structure that's got three-way closure up against a fault, when we identify these faults, we look for these bumps that exist. And 80% of the time, they're filled with oil. Uh, we had a rather significant surprise in the deeper horizon called the Ubaki. It was upwards of 60 feet thick. And uh, we're looking to exploit that as aggressively and
1: cleanly as possible. And um, I don't want to get too technical, but when you talk about a high structure, is that a kind of a drag fold onto the fault, um Yeah, that's a good was... way to look at it. It's a kind of a domal feature
0: that through tectonic activity has been elevated prior to oil migration. And when these thing, things are present. As I mentioned, there's 80% chance of success that it's oil-filled.
1: Of the 11 wells you drilled last year, presumably there are multiple... I mean, if if, if you've got suitable hosts in a suitable structure, um, suitable reservoirs, in, a, in a, you'll get multiple... Um, a stacked column. Um, you know, what's what does that mean for you, and c- how, can you target areas where you think you're going to get more stacks?
0: So on almost every well we drilled there was upwards of 5 hydrocarbon bearing reservoirs on the way down to 10,000 feet uh, we've focused on primary primarily on the one at the top of the stack and the reservoir at the bottom of the stack and what that really provides us is optionality and in choosing which one's going to be the highest volume producer at the same time which one is the least amount of risk and uh, we're careful not to overcapitalize either so Those 11 wells uh, were all development wells, and uh, we met our numbers that we broadcast at the end of the year towards, or at the beginning of the year, towards the end of the year. And uh, having multi-zone potential in every well we drill just makes this much more exciting and, frankly, much more fun.
1: It's important to have fun all the way. Um, But um, when you talk about the the, the top um, reservoir and the bottom reservoir, is that a function of just their thickness and um, their kind of porosity permeability characteristics. So it, it's really defined by the age of the rocks, but the,
0: the upper reservoir we call the Carbonara C7. It's Miocene in age, so relatively young, but uh, maximum thickness there is probably 30 to 42 feet. Uh, the, the basal sand that we're pursuing is called the Ubaki. It's Cretaceous in age. Uh, the oil's a little heavier, but it's much thicker, and the oil comes out just as fast. Our net backs on the heavy crude are about $50 a barrel. Our net backs on the light crude and this carbonate are about $62 a barrel. That's using $78 Brent. So the economics are fabulous. And
1: is, are you preferentially doing the horizontal wells in the thicker Ubaki, deeper? Uh,
0: that's entirely accurate. So the first three wells will drill at the top of the reservoir. The subsequent three wells will drill in the middle of the reservoir just to ensure that we get maximum reco- recovery rate. And our estimated ultimate recovery will will dictate that, you know, we're recovering over a million barrels net per well, which is very exciting for us.
1: Presumably the superior production characteristics of a horizontal well is, is a function of contact with net pay. Uh,
0: absolutely right. So these horizontal wells will be... Uh, Extending almost 1,500 meters. And uh, we're having a dedicated horizontal pad being constructed as we speak. Uh, We hope to drill the first horizontal beginning of April. Uh, The pad will be ready the middle of March. And then it takes a good two to three weeks to move the rig on site. We have a very large rig, a 2,000 horsepower rig to ensure that we can drill this well, safely and successfully, without getting stuck. And, uh, as I mentioned, the oil service industry in Colombia is very robust. I'm quite impressed with the technology that exists here.
1: Do you have to um, frank and these propants and um, do any of that, to stimulate?
0: No, there's no stimulation required. Uh, in the Ubaki Reservoir, in our modeling, the, the permeability is 6 Darcy, which is extraordinary. And in the C7 carbon era, it's 2 to 4 Darcy. So the oil comes out fast and uh, the natural aquifer is recharged by rainwater out of the Andes and that provides a reservoir drive. There's no natural gas entrained in the oil, which is quite unique. And so we don't have to deal with methane
1: emissions and uh, it's very good for our ESG potential as well. Earlier you mentioned kind of capital discipline. Uh, How does that... uh... What did you end the year with uh in terms of your cash figure because I couldn't see that number i think you're in September you're aiming to end the year with about eighteen million dollars I just um in and and how do you how do you make sure that you're um uh not spending more than you're earning?
0: Well, that's a very good question so uh we intended to end the year at eighteen million cash. I think the uh, latest estimate is we were around 15 million, but we had prepaid a bunch of our invoices. So, from an equivalency standpoint, yeah, we're, we exited it at 18. But today, uh, we check our cash position every Monday, and today we're sitting on 15 million of cash. Uh, with this risked budget that we're embarking on, we intend to exit the year north of 15 million of cash. And we'll be cash flowing two and a half to three million dollars a month. So from a financial perspective, we're very healthy. Uh, We have no debt and don't intend to take
1: any debt on. And presumably as each well starts to contribute, um, you become uh, incrementally more robust as the year goes through in an ideal world. Um, Does that mean that the work program is slightly back-ended towards, uh, you know, does it it increase in activity through the course of the 12 months?
0: Uh, Very accurate. Yeah, that's a good assessment. And uh, the bulk of that would be the results of the horizontals. So, uh, you know, drilling the the first one in April, that rig won't leave the horizontal pad before year end. And we have a second rig at a different location at Carrizales Norte that uh, we intend to keep there all year round as well. So, Two wells
1: dedicated, or two rigs
0: dedicated, and
1: the optionality to move to a third rig as well. For kind of an external, someone who's not close to the story, who's not following every week, um, you know, kind of not living and breathing the Arrow Exploration kind of um, uh, chat room stuff, what are the kind of the main catalysts that they need to be looking out for? The, the What would you see as the kind of the key milestones for um, perhaps getting a waverer? So let's say someone is saying, oh, I like Arrow Exploration, but they need to show me some kind of proper stuff before I kind of um, dip my toe um, investing in their company. What would you say were the kind of the key things to look for during the course of the year? Well, for
0: start, uh, we're undervalued to a large degree and uh, certainly going to be a focus of mine to spreading the word. But I think show me is, is a very accurate assessment. So Uh, The first well of our program in 2024 will spud next week. Uh, Two weeks later, we'll have production rates on that released to the public. And that rig will then move 25 meters and start drilling the next well. And uh, uh, from the Carrizales-Norte perspective, we're going to have seven to eight wells drilled uh, by year end. And then from a horizontal perspective, as mentioned, uh, by the end of April, we'll have production rates out of the first horizontal, that I think will capture a lot of attention. And uh, subsequent horizontal wells will just add to that particular impact. So uh, in the near term, we're, we're certainly going to enjoy uh, production out of the two reservoirs in a vertical sense. And then at the end of the first quarter, we're going to see uh, production impact from these horizontal wells that uh, are gonna be quite material and as I mentioned, the reservoir modeling
1: has shown us that we can pull on these wells very hard. Sorry, did you say end of first quarter? I, th- I don't mean end of the second quarter.
0: So end of first quarter, the, the vertical wells are going to provide the impact. Uh, yeah. And, and then the first horizontal will be, uh, at the end of March, we'll be reporting middle to end of April.
1: Oh, okay. Great. Fantastic. Um, So that's a kind of a con- continuation of the, the Show Me um you know track record of delivery, which you've been Doing pretty impressively during the course of 2023, so kind of keep watch on that. Now let's get to the kind of the psychological aspects of markets and um, the valuation that you're talking about. I mean, um, you're you're trading on less than two times cash flow. Is that right or around that?
0: Uh, I would say that forward-looking cash flow we're trading at less than two times cash flow.
1: These are strange times in the in the in the oil and gas sector because it's pretty unloved. You know, it's this dirty. Um, smelly, sticky, unpopular thing that pollutes the atmosphere. But um, as you know, sitting there in minus 30, whatever it is, 37 degrees Celsius um, uh, weather outside, it's important for modern life. And uh, I'm a great believer, and advocate of uh, the importance of hydrocarbons in our um, modern society. But it seems as if the market doesn't feel the same way as me, for some strange reason. I can't understand why.
0: Well, I think... uh... This transition to renewables and recyclables and has has dominated the headlines, which is which is very interesting from my perspective, looking at the macro oil situation. The only jurisdiction that increased oil production in the last twenty four months has been the United States. And the, the Permian has had a huge impact on oil price, as we've seen with price wars in the past. But uh, the Permian is starting to roll over. We're seeing, uh, EOG, which probably has the largest presence in the Permian Basin, is only adding three percent to their production on a very robust capex budget for this year. We don't see any other jurisdiction outside of the U.S. increasing their production. So I think over the course of time, we're going to see the goalposts on oil price increasing from uh, their current situation, seventy to eighty dollars. Uh, I bet you we're going to eighty to one hundred dollars inside of 12 months, uh, just based from a supply dictum and a demand dictum. So uh, uh, I'm an optimist, what do you expect me to say? But uh, I've seen these cycles before, I've seen this movie before, and uh, I think we're due for uh, another gradual production increase. Nobody in the business wants to see a drastic increase in in oil production, that does nothing for anybody. But uh, I think a smooth, gradual, gradual climb uh, in light of worldwide capex, uh, is the answer.
1: Okay, so, so two questions uh, leave, uh, lead on from that. One is about worldwide capex. Are you saying that we're at historic lows in kind of um, capex invested into the oil and gas sector? Is that the point?
0: That is the point. You know, referencing uh, what we produce on a daily basis, I believe we're close to 1.2 million barrels a day. And to increase that uh, in a material sense, is going to take billions and billions of dollars. And, uh, you know, the companies have become far more healthy with this uh, wind at our back on oil price for the last 18 months to two years. Um, I, I just don't see the industry being able to catch up with a growth on that 1.2 million barrels a day. In fact, I heard a stat the other day for us to enjoy an increase of a million barrels a day on that number, we would have to build 300 million electric cars to take the place of that million barrels a day. So I think there's going to be an appreciation over the short to medium term that hydrocarbons are a necessity and they're going to be with us for quite some time.
1: Well, we come back to the point that you made earlier that you're an optimist, but surely you speak to um, institutional investors. Uh, who are jaded cynics, and um, has th- your interaction with them changed in the last six months? Are they hard-bitten investors as they are? Have they come around to saying, actually, this is a um, a trade that I'm interested in. The Valuations are out of whack. Uh, these things should be trading trading on eight times cash flow or ten times cash flow, not two times cash flow. Ha- has that conversation um, popped up uh, with you?
0: So, from a valuation perspective. Uh- We have a very significant presence in the institutional market in in the UK. Uh, The AIM exchange has been a fabulous experience for us. Uh, You know, trading at one to two times cash flow is as low as it's been in my career. Uh, The highest I've seen in Canada has been five to seven times cash flow. Uh, I I don't think we're going to achieve that sort of plateau, but... um, Certainly, north of the one to two times we're enjoying now, you know, three to four would be a, a pleasure. I think uh, the institutional base that we've got in the UK has been very supportive and patient, and uh, we're looking to expand that institutional base in Canada and um, on the continent. At the same time, we want to really increase and in our uh, retail sector shareholders. So. We're going to work very hard on marketing
1: the company on both fronts this you, year. You've been on AIM for um, just over two years. You were just telling me um, before the call. Um, has has that come with volume? Has that come with kind of um, trading statistics? How much of the stock is traded in London versus um, Canada?
0: So the bulk of the activity has been in the UK, to be sure. Uh, the Canadian audience has been challenging. Uh, there's been quite a bit of institutional flight on the Canadian hydrocarbon exchange and uh, uh, what we've seen companies do is they're looking at buybacks and uh, uh, getting their debt down to manageable levels. So the the industry's become quite healthy. But I think uh, the institutional mindset in the eastern seaboard of Canada and the US is that uh, they're they're looking for consolidation in the industry, whereas in the UK, there's a different mindset that, hey, here's a little guy that can enjoy explosive growth, and uh, I can make more than my 68% return annually on companies like this that are well-managed, debt-free, and are
1: well-located. Well, it's great to hear um, a success story uh, on AIM, because uh, although I've got no kind of vested interest, it's always good to hear a good story. Um, it it's, takes a lot of um, flack for, the, it's, um, for some of the exploration uh, companies, particularly on the hard rock side. Um, but being a producer, I think it's, uh, it puts you in a different category. And of course, there's depth of capital here as well, which is uh, uh, that you've obviously discovered. Um, Marshall, thank you very much for your time. It's been a, um, a pleasure getting to know your company a bit better. And um, I hope in the course of your marketing that you come back and Uh, Tell us how you're getting all those horizontal wells in particular.
0: Merlin, I really appreciate your time today. Um, We look forward to disseminating this news in a timely fashion and look forward to our next discussion.